it's not how our show starts. Welcome to How to Be a Millionaire. Who wants oh. to be a millionaire? <laughs> Welcome to Drew's <laughs> show, How to Be a Millionaire. So many, so many, so many damn books. I'm Christopher. I'm Drew. And this is So Many Damn Books. It is. It feels like it's been a while since we've hung out just across from each other, but it hasn't been really. Yeah. Uh, we it was two episodes ago. We just um, you know. Oh sure, the best. Uh, it's relative time though, you know. Sure. Should I t- I tell people what we're drinking? Uh, probably. <laughs> I think it'll make <laughs> it'll it make explain more sense. a lot. Yeah. So this is I'm calling it um the hidden motive. Mm hmm. And it's um. It's bourbon, maraschino liqueur, um, oh, s- simple syrup, and lemon juice, and old-fashioned bitters. It's nice. It's like kind of whiskey sour-y, but there's a little more sweetness in there. Mm-hmm. It's that cherry. Yeah. So that's nice. Stirred it, poured it over ice. It has um, something to do with our episode, right? I think so. I've just decided that I'm going to say everything non-committally yeah, to build into the theme. Uh, okay, so you're... <laughs> Well, you've always been the unreliable one. Yes. Ooh. Burn. Yeah, I guess. Sick burn. Should we do the other part first? Yeah, let's do... Uh, Keep what everybody you in. Buy Suspense. Mm-hmm. What'd you buy? I... <laughs> at first that was an intentional <laughs> pause and then i just sort of got caught in my brain and i was like what actually am i going to say right people now people just think the podcast pause like it's <laughs> it's not that is bad content yeah. we just promised good <laughs> <We just> content <laughs> okay i signed up for slash bought the first installment of robin sloan's new project thing endeavor um, if you go to desert.glass, you can find out this. It, he's calling it the year of the meteor. Mm-hmm. And he's, so uh, like a year ago, maybe more, he published on a website called wizard.limo, which I do think was the better URL, a short story, The Unbeatable Deck of Ronin Shin mm-hmm. by an author whose name escapes me. And he was like, I'm going to do this. I want to like do this thing. I'm going to do a limited print run and then I'm going to put them up online. And it was one story, and it never happened again. And then at the beginning of January, he relaunched it, and he was like, so I wanted to do this thing. I have this printing press in my house. Like, Great. Robin Sloan problems. Yeah. But so the the he was like, sign up. It was like 87 cents for this story, and most of that I think probably covers shipping. Mm-hmm. Um, and sure enough, I got a little regular-sized envelope in the mail with a new Robin Sloan short story called The Sleep Consultant. Nice. Um, that he print. It's like very cool. He's doing a weekly newsletter too for the the year, maybe longer. Um, but it's like a cool. I'm a sucker for cool like little subscriptiony things, you know. Yeah, I understand. I am too. How about you? What'd you buy? Um, we. This is more something we were sent, but I wanted it. I would have bought it if we hadn't been sent it. Um, Elizabeth McCracken's new novel bowl away Mm, mm -hmm. and that's one of those i guess it's a sprawling family epic Mm -hmm. concerning the a family that owns and operates a 
Candlepin Bowling Alley. Yeah. Um, and I've heard whimsy thrown in <laughs> every time I've like, like, or like deliberate whimsy, whatever that means. Um, I feel like that's the uh, Candlepin Bowling Alley. It's not just a bowling alley. Right. It's Candlepin Bowling Alley. So uh, I, I am someone who uh, seeks out whimsy. Yes. I think as you are as well. Indeed. Since you just talked about a limited run newspaper, <laughs> you're excited about subscribing to. Um, so yeah, I don't know anything more about it than that. I think, and it's her first novel in almost 20 years. I think, yeah, something years or something huge. She she uh, tweeted something that she's like, "Why isn't anyone calling it the Macrakenaissance?" <laughs> it's just like it's because it's really hard to say. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited to read that book. Nice, I am too. You know, Robin Sloan also has a an olive oil subscription service where he's growing olives and making olive oil. So that's his sourdough as he went into olive pressing. San Francisco. It's called Fat Gold. <laughs> Fat.gold. He's also big into the buying the cute URLs. Yeah, it sounds like it. You know, you can get a .nyc. Ooh. Mm-hmm. That's cool. It is. Speaking of New York City... Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. The story of, thanks to The New Yorker, I mean, by the time this comes out, though, it's not really the story. Even when we're recording it, it's a little bit past its prime. Yeah, although it's funny. It is it is one of those stories that I have found more people sort of across, like people who read and people who don't read, we should continue tell them to the just be is. like, yeah, like, hey, did you hear about this thing? I'm like, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's Dan Mallory, the New Yorker uh, article that's sort of explaining that he is the... Um, his nom de plume is A.J. Finn. Uh, the Woman in the Window. Is his Big smash hit last year. Yeah. Big, last year? huge. Last year. Um, number one hardcover fiction bestseller for many weeks and made a boatload of money and caught, they paid him a boatload of money. Yeah. Two book deal, uh, movie rights, all the stuff. All the crazy stuff that happens with a it's big, the It's the latest splashy. girl on the train. Yeah. yeah. And it's um, the story is sort of that he's just a unreliable narrator of his own life that he uh, lives his life and lies to everybody and makes up characters and emails as them and yeah does crazy and then things. kills them off he's like oh i'm it's my brother and then he's like oh my brother committed suicide and it's like Whoa. what yeah he's he's done a lot of really awful lying um pretending to have cancer so that he can take time off work um also just like terrible but he he peed in cups that he left in his supervisor's office something like, like that a lot of just weird and the, the article just keeps going and you're like well that has to be it right and then it's like nope here's another crazy thing right and so these these things all lead to um that he might not have written his book or he did or there's it doesn't quite turn over the um mm-hmm. the stone of that he didn't actually write the woman in the window but um, I think my probably the detail that I was so surprised at, the one that I was just like, oh, my God, is that his a writer friend of his wrote what he had done into one of her uh, mystery novels. Yeah. Um, Sophie Hanna in one of the the Poirot, the authorized Poirot sequels or whatever. Exactly. Wild. So these are th- this is a crazy story, although it also. um kind of isn't in another way and yeah. that like it's about a you know a privileged white male using his privilege mm-hmm. to continually basically have a publisher write pay to write him write a novel and then pay him for it yeah because he was working at 
the imprint that ended up buying his novel. Yeah. So, you know, it's a it's one of these stories that when you read it in publishing, a lot of people in publishing are like, well, that's just the one you heard about. Like, there's all sorts of people. Like, it, it's an industry that seems to, you know, uh, I think in the article they call it a soft industry. <laughs> yeah, we're all pretty soft. Yeah. So it's a, um, it's a very strange story but it all, he also is obsessed with um patricia highsmith mm-hmm. and of course that's like a dog whistle for me yeah and you yeah um because we are at, at so many damn books big fans of patricia highsmith indeed and she keems, seems to follow us around as well yeah um, in that way but it's i mean it's funny that ripley tom ripley has become enough of a shorthand that if you're like oh yeah this dan Maller guy it's like kind of a tom ripley thing and then people are like Oh, right. And that even further is connected because he uh, was writing a dissertation, which he never finished, I don't think. or Yeah, something like that. Or he didn't actually go to Oxford or I'm forgetting <laughs> all the details there. But uh, he, I don't know. Make something up. It's probably, you know. Uh, but he was writing about the um, sort of homosexual undertones to the Ripley novels mm-hmm. was the idea of his <laughs> dissertation, <laughs> if he ever actually wrote it um, or his doctorate thesis. I'm not I don't know. But so I was thinking a lot about the the balance between art and life and and as I was reading that Dan Mallory piece and then I ended up picking up this book it's I think just out from William Morrow The Hunting Party by Lucy Foley mm-hmm. and it's another it actually has an AJ Finn quote on the jacket which is kind of crazy but it it's it's a mystery with a couple of points of view and you can't be sure if you can trust any of them. And then the ones who you thought you could trust are the ones that you can't trust this, mm. that like, you know, there are thousands of books like this. Yeah. But well, the, it got I, me thinking about how, how pervasive it is. Mm-hmm. This unreliable narration thing. Right. It's like, well, we've lost so much um, faith in our uh, narrators from mm-hmm. the, I mean, and we never really had it. You know, like 18th century literature, like um, like Robinson Crusoe, it starts with this like, oh yeah, sort of like sign off, like this is all really real, <laughs> like uh, and there's like a, a newspaper article or something to to kind of say like this all really happened, yeah, um, and and it had to be a journal, it couldn't be a novel, straightforward because that way it's more realistic, right? Even That's though so many books, Dracula too, all of these books that are meant to feel like real texts, exactly. So I feel like, you know, we didn't trust the narrator back then. So they like were like, well, what if we tried to make you trust them even more? <laughs> and now we're like, no, what if we can make, we can even destabilize the narrative as it goes. So like uh, Paula Hawkins, the girl on the train, mm-hmm. the main narrator is an alcoholic. And like, that's the whole point is like, how much can you trust what she's saying? Right. Um, and I don't know. I I can understand why that was so exciting to to see and pu- be pulled to the forefront like that. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's behind like a million other things um, that people love. Right. You know, when it's done really artfully, it's really exciting. Oh, yeah. those. I mean, those books where suddenly you realize that what you have believed for 50, 60, 70, 80% of the book is no longer true. Or even like, or just like that one detail that they chose mm-hmm. also explains a way like like three other things that they didn't say. Right. Um, you know, I, I was I was thinking about in particular like Otessa Moschweg's um Year of Real Rest and Relaxation mm-hmm. and um 
you know, Hallie Butler's Judith and uh, The New Me. Both of these books are these characters that you can't trust what they're saying because they're, you know, under some sort of influence. Right. As well as you hear one thing from them that they've said, and then an er another character will give you a detail that you're like, oh, I'm not seeing that the way that it actually happened. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that is, that is when it gets really exciting for me. Yeah. When like a detail kind of shows off like a shadow. Oh, nice. Yeah, do you, like that. Do you seek out this kind of storytelling? Like I find that every once in a while when I really want escapism and it's not, it's like I'm not going to go reread a Discworld book or something. I just want to like churn through something in two days. I'll pick up a mid-list thriller and I'm like, I'm in it. I want to know what happens. It's done and I forgot about it. Right. I, I, I kind of like that. Um, I do like the uh, the sort of, it it is a page turning thing because like as mm -hmm. you're picking up details, you're also realizing more and more that you are going to be revealed what the shadow as i was saying before what mm -hmm. is you know right. it's going to actually point it and outline it for you which is exciting that you're gonna though you're gonna get more and more of the pieces by like the way around it mm -hmm. um so i i do like that um but i like it more when it's you know in the donna tart way um oh. when i'm you know when like you're more reading... literary fiction unreliable narrator than like we're solving a mystery together yeah cool so i like the secret history one where it's just like they might like um you know, he, the narrator of that w likes aesthetics. So he mm -hmm. he's sort of like drawing it around things and trying to make things sound lavish when they aren't possibly or, you right, know. Right, right. Or, you know, like Stephanie Dandler's Sweet Bitter. Like you wouldn't say like that's a book about an unreliable narrator. Mm. But like I start to get really into the idea of like what's fact and what's fiction of, of this. Like what what is the truth that they're getting at? Right. You know, in the way that, all fiction is science fiction because mm -hmm. you're making up the rules of how your universe will work no matter what. Right. Um, you know, every narrator is an unreliable narrator because you have to choose the details that are going to actually explain your story. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's one of those, um, it's like math curse. Oh my God, math <laughs> curse. Yeah. Where it's just like, if, you know, no, you can think about every book as though it's an unreliable narrator, and you're just like, "Oh no!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, you read a memoir, which is supposed to be that person's life, but of course, they're choosing details to tell a story. Right. I mean, sometimes that's even the selling point. As we were looking at all of the books on the shelves in the damn library, both of us were caught by what happened, the mm -hmm. Hillary Clinton book, which very definitely tells one particular view on the story i mean and that's that's the selling point but then and it was also taken as like oh this is the answer and it's it, like well and meant to and meant to paint her in a a particular light whatever it is like it's very much like focus grouped to give you right that feeling about whatever it is i didn't read it um but yeah i think that those are the ones like the really well done um mm -hmm. unreliable narrator books those are ones that stick with you for like for a really long time because it's more like I don't know. It's it's like if you can get that right, they just feel like a character that you really know even better. Right. Like um because you're guessing them in both ways. You're get, seeing them in the way that they've put out and you've seen the way that you're like trying to figure out empathically who they are. Mhm. Mm um like Fortress of of Solitude by Lethem. Oh yeah. You know, like that is a great reading experience and he's really playing with the idea of like 
uh, of how reliably can you narrate your childhood right um, by giving him and his friends superpowers at, right. at some points you know and a ring of invisibility and like that sort of thing do you prefer to know i mean the thing that you just said about all narrators are unreliable narrators mm-hmm. maybe throws this question for a loop but do you prefer to know early on like in the Leafham book where he sort of lays out like this is memory i'm trying to figure these things out or it's like the the tennessee williams glass menagerie thing of like this is a memory play it, mm-hmm. it, so it's absolutely like behind a scrim of of whatever yeah of of gauzy interpretation yeah. or i mean one of one of for my money the best sort of reveals of an unreliable narrator is in Brett Easton Ellis's American Psycho where for a long time you think you're just living in the mind of this like murderous psychopath mm-hmm. and then there's this this moment at the end where like maybe all of it is just in this dude's head right and so you like the the twist reveal of the unreliable narrator whether it's in literary fiction or a mystery or whatever or do you prefer to know up front like everything i'm telling you might not be true um, I think that I probably enjoy knowing that I'm going to be reading an unreliable narrator, like from the back flap or something. Yeah. Um, or the, the book's, uh, reputation. Um, but yeah, I think that the way that I sort of just think of everybody as an unreliable narrator, I find, um, details, I'm always trying to second guess whether or not that detail is, especially in something that's like um, pointedly like a point of view. Like, why are you giving me this particular detail now? Oh, huh. Um, I I think that that's something that I'm always doing when I'm reading. Also, I mean like the, the whole, like it could all be in a character's head. I think that like that's caused like a um, internet sickness to some people's minds where they, I can't read Harry Potter without saying like, what if it was all in his head and it's just like, he's still stuck under the (laughs) cover under the stairs and he just made all of this up, you know, like um, Jesus, that's dark. I know. Yeah. I feel like it's like 15 dark truths about your child. <laughs> Can you imagine that on, on her deathbed, J.K. Rowling's like, guess what, everybody? Yeah, well, she would. All of it? I made all of it up. But I, <laughs> I feel like you can read too many of those in a row. Like, you know, I read mm-hmm. The Perfect Nanny by um, Layla Slimani. Mm-hmm which I don't know. I think I'm probably saying that name <laughs> very poorly. Um, but The Perfect Nanny, it's like definitely an unreliable narrator, but I was just like, Ugh, like, yeah, what you are going to be unreliably telling me isn't as interesting as, like that's not enough for the soup to be totally seasoned. I think that's something, that's a genre thing too, I think. I think that there's, there's a, I feel it a little bit. I mean, like I said, it's escapism for me to pick up these thrillers that have why do you think it's escapism like what how does how does that capture you that way i think weirdly because i feel like i don't have to think about the book as much as i would with literally anything else Mm. because i know that something is going to be revealed to be not the truth and so i can play the game a little bit and be like oh maybe like this this one that I just read, the hunting party, there it's flashing back and forth. Somebody there's a dead body. Mm-hmm. One of the guests at this lodge is dead, and slowly information drips out. But you're trying to, you know, are you trying to figure out who it is? And I found myself being like, no, I'm not gonna try. Like I don't <laughs> need to get in front of this because I know inevitably there's gonna be some twist, almost 
Sherlock Holmes style where it's like a completely out there like, ah, yes, well, the pips meant this. And you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? How'd you know that? <laughs> right. Or the one that it turns out it was like a gorilla wearing a man's face. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're just like, okay. Mm-hmm. And so that there's something that weirdly takes the pressure off for mm-hmm. me where I'm just like, ooh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But I think it's like a, you know, I think it's always going to be sticky. Like I'm always going to like check out the, mm-hmm. or or at least, you know, like this woman in the window book, like it came and it had like one of those, like, Oh, I could be in the mood for this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not now. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's true of all reading. Like if you pick up something when you're not in the mood for it, you're not going to have, but there are those weird books where there really is like, Oh, there is a mood for this kind of book. Yeah, and I guess that mood is also don't uh, don't take any of this as a, a life manual. You know, like <laughs> this isn't a way to yeah. lead your existence. You know, right? Uh, t- Tom Ripley is a sociopath. He's not a hero. Yeah, I wonder if that's why like airplane novels tend to be these sort of like pulpy thrillers that you turn through because it's like, what's the best way to kill the next six hours where you're at the airport and then you're on the plane? It might be confirmation bias that, like, largely it's the top bestsellers and then a bunch of, like, pulpy paperbacks. Mm -hmm. But this idea that in these moments where you're sort of held captive, Mm -hmm. that, like, you want disposable entertainment. And it has changed a little bit now that, like, everybody has either a device in your hand or a screen where you can watch 10,000 movies. But that idea that, like... Well, I have nothing else to do for the next six hours. What's something that I can read in the next six hours mm-hmm. that is like, it's not going to make me weep on the plane around all these strangers. It's just going to be like interesting enough, reliable enough. It's like the law and order of books. Right. The reliably unreliable. Yeah. Oh, nice. Well, do we want to recommend something? I actually have an unreliable narrated <gasps> book that I read recently. Me too. That I want to recommend to everybody. All right, what is it? So this is a um this I think is earning its um comparisons to Paul Beatty's The Sellout. Mm-hmm. Um it's We Cast a Shadow. Oh cool. By Maurice Carlos Ruffin. So this novel is about um it's a near future about a, a guy who is trying to keep his awful job that he has um to try to earn money to get his son who is biracial um a experimental procedure to whiten his skin completely Mm. and um it's just about his craziness to try to make that happen cool um and it's about the the family dynamic him and his wife don't agree and uh and the relationship between him and his son and he also the whole novel is popping these purple pills, which are somewhat of a you know soma like mm-hmm. type of like future drug. And so the whole thing you're just you can read, of course, as unreliable, and you have to find the truth of what he's saying. Cool through like the and his prose is crazy. It's some of the best writing I've read in a long time. It's really that's like, a, I'm fun. very excited to read that book. So yeah, I uh, highly highly read, and it's also um it's 
it's so fast. Like you really want all yeah. these details. Yeah, it's it's great. Cool. What about you? A uh, book that is the opposite of fast, even for a fast reader like me. Black Leopard, Red Wolf, the first volume in Marlon James's Dark Star trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried to read it when I had an arc at Christmas time. Couldn't do it. Got a hundred pages in, and I was like, "No, nope, I don't mm. know. I don't know. I, I don't remember. know. If this is for me." And then I tried it again, and found myself more attuned to the rhythms of the language, and I, I sort of fell into it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, it's there are plenty of problems with it. To be sure, it's pretty heavily misogynistic. It's super duper violent, but it is also really compelling. And he he throws all of his imagination onto the page. I mean, it's just like, so it, sort of in that way that the Lord of the Rings, Tolkien wanted it to be six volumes. Mm-hmm. This, I think this trilogy could easily, each book could probably have been split up into two. Because wow. there's just so much there. Um, but the it starts out, and the, the narrator, the main character, this man, Tracker, is talking to some inquisitor. Mm-hmm. And he's sort of, being drawn out to tell his story his side of this story and so right there unreliable narration because it's it's his point of view but as you get to the end of it and what i've read now some interviews of uh with marlon the next two books in the trilogy i guess are telling different perspectives on this saga Mm -hmm. trying to find this lost kid and at the end of it i mean it's like it's such a good cliffhanger and it's also such a like, Oh fuck kind of cliffhanger where trackers like, so uh, what did she tell you? Mm -hmm. Like that's basically the last line of the book. And you're just like, Oh, I get it. Mm -hmm. Which is, I don't know. I, I'm nervous about whether or not the payoff will be there on the writing side. It's like, it's all of the fireworks that he does, but it's, it's, I'm in this place now where I'm like, okay, so this was unreliable. And the next two books are also going to be unreliable. Mm -hmm. So will you be in the mood? Yeah. I get it. But but you still recommend this first one. I do. It's It's, worth the kaleidoscope. The thing is, I wouldn't recommend it to everybody. Like, I I know better than to recommend it to you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) For, For a lot of different reasons. And there are a lot of people who I'd be like, if they're like, hey, should I read? I'd be like, no, 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 no. Not your, there's like, there's, ugh. There's so many books out there that True. you can't, you would enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think about that sometimes when I'm trying to talk somebody out of a book. Yeah. But listen, if you're thinking about it, if it's like, if it feels like it's the kind of book for you, mm-hmm. go for it. Interesting. And give yourself the time to fall into it too. Gotcha. Well, I want to tell everybody also um, that, you should go on our website. We have a cool website. We have a cool website. Uh, we have the the damn bar has like seventy two recipes on it or it so. Does. Um, so so many um, slash the damn bar, or you can get through so many damn books and going through our scroll down menu. I'm very curious to hear if anyone has ever actually made one of the cocktails. Um, I want to know. Yeah. So send us an email if you have. I'm very curious. Or if you haven't but you want to and something held you back. I'd like to know. Oh, that's great. So, um, so yeah, so many damn books at gmail.com. If you've ever made the cocktail, I'm very curious. Um, yeah. What else here? Oh, uh, go and review us on iTunes, please. It always helps us. Um, giving us a five-star review and writing something is really, really nice. Yeah. It's good for getting more people to listen to the show. 
Um, you can check out our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash smdb. We will be sending out our pins. Yeah, we're doing an enamel soon. pin. It's so cool. We'll show you a picture of what they look like when we have one to show you. Um, but it, if you want the pin, if you are a pin person, um, now is the time to sign up for the um, Patreon, yeah. the $10 level. We'll probably we'll probably throw some other stuff in there. Maybe you'll get some uh, surprises of some kind. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, maybe. Got to sign up to find out. Yep. Um, and we also put like little behind the scenes there, and you, we um, tell people what the next book will be that we're going to talk about when oh, we yeah. have the next book. We're not going to tell you right now. No, only That's the Patreon private. people. Only the Patreon people. Our faithful patrons, <laughs> who we really, you know, if you do uh, pay for the show, we really appreciate it. We 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 love you guys for for doing that and supporting us. And even if you just download and, and tell your friends, or just download and enjoy it on your own, we all appreciate you. We do indeed. And we hope that you find a good... Tell us your favorite unreliable narrators on Twitter or Instagram. At so many damn books. And, um, you know... Hashtag so many damn books. Go pick out a great read. Yeah. And um, get ready for the tournament. Oh, yeah. The tournament she is coming. She or, approacheth yeah, real fast. Real fast here. So uh, we'll, we'll be doing some coverage of that. Yep. We'll be back in two weeks with a normal episode. You can find out who it is by going to our Patreon and signing up. Yep. For just a dollar, you can find out. Yeah. Okay, that's it, right? I don't know. Was any of this real? Uh, Bye. Bye. Bye.